1: It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Psalm 129, Psalm 129, where the Bible says, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Let them all be confounded and turned back that hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops. With withereth afore it groweth up. Wherewith the mower filleth not his hand, nor he that bindeth sheaves in his bosom. Neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord is upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Now, in this psalm, we are looking at the afflictions of the nation of Israel. Did you notice who it was against? Many a time had they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. And uh, the primary focus of the affliction is on Israel. Israel was God's chosen people. If you remember, Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. There he left to go to a place that he would never be able to physically settle in. He could walk the land, but it would be in the areas of Joshua that they would actually conquer the land and settle into it. Abraham was a sojourner and a pilgrim, and he willingly left with his calling of God, and he and his elderly wife, two of them beyond age of childbearing, God gave a miracle to them, and they had a boy by the name of Isaac, one son, that's it, and yet he was promised from this uh, one son that there would be uh, the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea could not be counted. And as this occurred, and as they grew, there were a lot of afflictions. Now, the first time there was an affliction and an assault against the Israelites that was basically unprovoked, it was just because of who they were, it was in Egypt, And Pharaoh that rose up that did not know Joseph said, hey, look, these people are getting too much. There's too many of them. They're going to overpower us. We need to do something with them. Let us deal wisely with them. And there wasn't any wisdom in what he did at all. There was zero wisdom in it. But he persecuted them. And, uh, of course, they were told that they would have to have the male babies killed. And uh, some of the plans fell through. And then uh, Pharaoh had another plan. And Moses was born, and the parents said, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna give up our child. We're not gonna let our child be killed." And she, by faith, took care of that child till she couldn't, then put him in a ark that she made and put him in the Nile River. Again, by faith, where God honored her faith by Pharaoh's daughter seeing that little baby and being compassionate, and then sending. Uh, Miriam who came out and said shall I go seek one of the women that might be able to nurse the child and getting the mom and getting paid by Pharaoh's daughter to take care of her own son God really moved but you will then note from there on there are many many persecutions and afflictions against the Israelites and I want you to notice the frequency many a time and did you notice it was twice there is an uh, there's a actual emphasis on the fact that there is an affliction. Okay, there is an emphasis on the affliction. There's an emphasis on how many times, and there's an emphasis of it being from my youth. In other words, from their being born as a young nation, as the twelve tribes began to grow. Seventy came down into Egypt, and they really grew down there to estimates of two to three million would have been what left to go across the Red Sea. Now we look at this and we see many a time persecution is not infrequent. Persecution today, even of the Jews, is not infrequent. Persecution of God's chosen people, the Jews, and persecution of God's called out bride, the church, both are afflicted. Both are persecuted. There's plenty of persecution around the world. There are people who are coming to know Christ in many places that it is unusual to see people come to Christ in Muslim nations around the world, and they take their very lives in their hand. From the beginning of a young nation to the very day that we live, there have been wars and wars and wars about Israel. We come up and we see these wars and we see these wars, and people think they're going to take Israel out. They think they're going to finally deal with Israel, but they're not. God has got a protection around them. God is going to take care of them. And the same with the church. God is going to take care of his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. One day he will call the church out, the bride out. And we'll be gone and they won't touch us again. But I want you to know that there's been some severe persecutions. We know that in World War II, there was an incredible persecution against the Jews uh, with Hitler. There is a war that has not happened yet in Ezekiel 38. And when we get to chapter 38, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, it's not in the scope of this message to deal with the prophetic of this here and go through all these names. But these names are interesting where these people settled would be in the area of uh, Turkey and Russia. And so the Lord says, Uh, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, and all them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now, before I go any further, I find a little something interesting here. When these wars occur, this particular war, whatever the people think they need to go to war for, What they don't know is that God turned it back and God put hooks in their jaws and God led them. He led them with all their army and their horses and horsemen. And then it gives some nations, Persia, that's Iran, Ethiopia, Libya. Of course, these areas would be larger back in that day than maybe they are today. And he says Gomer with all his bands, which I believe would be uh, a united Germany. The house of Tagarma of the north quarters would be around the area of Turkey. And his bands and all the people with him. And he says, Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto me, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste but it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely all of them. And we go through and we will con- and it continues about this war, but they're coming against Israel many a time. Many a time have they afflicted me. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. They have afflicted, they have distressed, they have anguished, they have besieged. Those are all synonyms. They have come in and oppressed and troubled and absolutely devastated Israel many, many times. We see also when they uh, got into trouble and sin that uh, God had an enemy come and take them away. The Assyrians pretty much assimilated the northern ten tribes, and judah went into captivity into babylon by that time they got out jerusalem had to be rebuilt the temple had to be rebuilt the wall had to be rebuilt and then i want you to notice something else he says here many a time have they persecuted me from my youth yet they have not prevailed against me throughout all of history throughout all the times of your bible where you read where Israel has been for whatever reason, because they wanted to take them out or because God used a nation to deal with them. Whatever it is, mark it down that they still are a nation today. God has protected them. In fact, my friend, if you look at it, they are the only ones who pretty much ceased to be a nation that came back to be a nation. Ezekiel 37, before that war, talks about the hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in an open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the uh, four winds, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came in them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Here you go. You ready? Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore, Prophesy unto them and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you out of the graves, and put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord." Now, back in the World War I days, in what was called the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, the Jews uh, were kind of being taken out. They didn't, nobody wanted them in their land, so they created a spot that they could go. Wasn't, they weren't a nation and all, but it was back in the area of the land of Israel. And they were able to go back in 1917. But by 1948, they had literally become a nation again. And from the time that they went back to the land in 1970 to the year of Jubilee, 1967, they recovered Jerusalem and part of the Temple Mount. So we see that God has kept his word. They did come back as a nation again. Many a time have they afflicted me. Many a time. Now, when he talks about the results of these things and what that the, they did to them, he talks about the plowers plowed upon my back they made long their furrows. It's kind of an interesting thought here because it's dealing with a metaphor to kind of emphasize how cruel they persecuted the Jews and if you look at the persecutions that they've had there were some cruel ways that they did in the Bible for people to die and the horror of World War II And the things they did were so incredibly cruel. But uh, there's a a messianic thing to this as well, of the plowers plowing upon the back of the Lord Jesus, making long their furrows. They hit him with a cat of nine tails 39 times, and that was as much as you could do because 40 would kill a man. And that was a horrible thing to do. And that was before they crucified him, which was another horrible thing to do. The ways that they put to death... uh, was incredibly painful afflicted but on the cross jesus whose body was mangled that was nothing compared to what was coming when the lord and jesus and god the father would have a splitting of the ways so to speak as god turned his back on sin and jesus would say my god my god why hast thou forsaken me the plowers plowed upon my back they made long their furrows. I mean, they went, they dug deep. Their persecution was incredibly strong. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that, yea, uh, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The church is going to suffer persecution, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Not only is the church going to suffer persecution, but Israel continues to suffer persecution. Israel is still. Uh, to many people a thorn in the flesh. In fact, in the world of the Muslim world, there's the little Satan and the big Satan that deals with the United States where there's a lot of Christians and it deals with Israel. And of course, the Christian people uh, believe in the promise of Abraham. So we are for Israel. And that just flies into the face of those who don't like that. Now, Paul has said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in his time as he was a Jew who had gotten saved. So now we got a Jewish person who's being persecuted for the faith he now has in Christ. So uh, look at this. We are troubled on every side. Think about that. There's no place to turn, but there's not trouble. There's not a place we can go to that we can get away from this. And of course, The word trouble means to be narrowed down into a tight place and squeezed. There is a squeezing trouble. And it's on every side. I can't breathe. Yet, he said, we're not distressed. Nope. We're not going to be hemmed in. Not going to let that happen. Literally, it means to to crowd into a narrow space. He said, I'm not going to let them trying to put me in a tight place get to me. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not distressed. We are perplexed. You ever been perplexed? That's a word you don't hear very much. The word perplexed in the Greek literally means to doubt, to hesitate, uh, not knowing how to proceed. Sometimes Paul's saying we were we're perplexed. We don't know how to proceed with all this. We got to look at this carefully, and uh, we're we're looking to see what the Lord would do. But we're not in despair. Thank the Lord for that. We're not in despair. We're not in that uh, despondent mode. Uh, we're persecuted. I mean, we are being persecuted. They're coming after us. I mean, they're pursuing us like there's no tomorrow. But we're not forsaken. Amen. The Lord will never leave me nor forsake me. Aren't you glad? The word forsaken literally means to leave behind in some place. Aren't you glad that He doesn't leave you behind somewhere? Paul said we're cast down. We're cast and they throw us down. They 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 headlong throw us down. But hey, listen. We're not destroyed. They throw us down, but we're not perished. We're still here. He said, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now, this is very, very interesting thought because uh, God wants us, folks, to be a living sacrifice. Yes, willing to die for him, but not uh, f- focusing on that. And he said, we're always bearing about. We carry the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, you know, the same one that he suffered for us. So that body that he suffered for us, we should suffer for him. But we also want that life to be shown forth that Jesus had and let it come forth in us and keep living under the dying of the persecution until we're actually literally martyred. Now, the Bible also says, and Jesus said these words, think about this, blessed are ye when men shall revile you. Now, think about that. To be reviled, what in the world does that mean? Well, it means to reproach, to uh, upbraid, to defame. It has the idea to rail on and to disparage. Blessed are ye when men do that, when they come against you like that. Be, you're Blessed. And then, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you. And so there's our word, persecute, which deals with that pursuing after you for uh, uh, the the acts of evil and hatred. And shall say, they'll speak slander, all manner of evil against you falsely. It's not true. There's There's not a speck of truth to it, but that's what they do. He said, listen, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In verse 10 in Matthew 5, it said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So blessed when you're persecuted for doing what's right in the eyes of God. Blessed are you when men come against you and reviling and persecuting and say all kinds of things against you falsely. Rejoice. The word rejoice means be calmly happy. Look them square in the eye with a smile on your face that you got to be able to be persecuted for the Lord. And then be exceeding glad. It means to jump off your feet for joy. It's like you're rejoicing calmly with them. Don't let anything get to you. Don't let them stir you up, make you say something back you shouldn't have said. You turn around and you leap for joy that you got to be persecuted for the Lord. He said, For great is your reward in heaven, and in heaven there's a company of people that you're in company with. For so persecuted they the prophets, which were before you we see the persecutions of israel but we then see the punishment of the persecutors and my friend there's coming a day and it's not going to be a fun day the lord verse 4 of psalm 129 is righteous he is absolute righteous and he will judge he hath cut asunder The cords of the wicked. Yeah, he's not going to put up with it forever. He's going to cut those ropes off. I mean, he's going to, those people think they got Israel all tied up. Those people think they got the church all tied up. No, he's going to cut them, and it is not going to be the way they think it is going to be. Let them all be confounded, ashamed. Let them be put to shame. And again, in the Eastern culture, that's a bad, bad thing. It's something you don't, you don't shame somebody, and especially if they're in any kind of power to do anything about it, you're going to be in big trouble. Let them be confounded that hate Zion. Let them be confounded that hate Zion. God's judgment will shame the persecutors. They will not get anything that they think they're going to get when God's wrath comes upon them. They're going to see a shaming, and they're going to see it. And it says, and turned back that hate Zion. Again, the city of David, or it, it also referenced Jerusalem. It also referenced the temple. Those usually what Zion deals with. So in that area, those things, uh, let them be turned back, that hate God's place and God's house. Let them be turned back. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which withereth afore it groweth up. I mean, before they can even pull it up, it withers. It's a shriveling up. And uh, flat-roofed houses sometimes, you know, had grass on the, on the roofs. It just kind of In the early spring, it, the sun would kind of make it happen. And then that sun would burn it off. So it says, whereof it groweth up. Wherewith the mower filleth not his hand, nor he bindeth sheaves in his bosom. Listen, when we come to this, the mower filleth not his hand, and he that bindeth sheaves, there's not gonna be anything there. In other words, it doesn't mature. The grass on the roof burns up, there's no harvest, there's nothing it dies out before it can even be mowed, or even gathered into sheaves. It becomes He said, Let it be worthless. Let what they do. Let the grass house housetops, let it just wither away before it ever grows up. They can't use it. They can't cut it. They can't bind it. There's nothing they can do about it. Let them find themselves empty, totally, totally empty, void of anything they can take. Now, listen, this is the psalmist's desire and petition. The proclamation is, I'm going to cut the cords. God says, I'm going to do it. I will take care of this. And the petition is, when you do it, Lord, because of their cruel hatred, Would you do this? Let them be confounded and turn back to hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which withereth afore it groweth up. whither the mower filleth not his hand, nor he that bindeth sheaves his bosom. Verse 8, neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon thee. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Wow. I mean, the psalmist here is being pretty straightforward, isn't he? He's saying, I don't even want anybody to go by and give them any kind of blessing i don't want anyone to say hey look at that god's been good to them wow look at this look what god did we'll bless you in the name of the lord uh we won't go by and say hey you want? you need god's blessing listen this is such an enemy because remember many a time have they afflicted me from my youth may Israel say many a time they've been afflicted and afflicted and afflicted and afflicted and they come to the place where they said hey we're not even going to ask god to put a blessing on this place In fact, we don't even want to bless them in the name of the Lord. We don't want anything like that. Well, we in the church, we're trying to get people saved before they go into an eternity that they'll never be able to get out of in a place called hell. But we do know that there will come a day when God will not give them a blessing, but what God will say is this, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. I don't think there's any sadder words in all the world that could be said to anybody than for God to look at you and say, Depart from me, ye that work in iniquity, I never knew you. There is a horror to that thought, I never knew you. There's a song that goes by that uh, tune, and uh, it actually ends, Sorry, I never knew you. Go and serve the one you served on earth before. Wow. Wow. Go and serve the one you loved on earth. there's, There's nothing here for you. You don't have anything in this. I don't know who you are. And here's another sad verse in the Gospels. It says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. Not everyone. He said, there are going to be many that are going to say, I hate that term, many. There's going to be many, again, that will say, Lord, Lord, have we not? And they're going to give things they do. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do this, this, and this? And he's going to say, sorry, I never knew you. You can say what you want to. I hold the record. I can bring it back. I'm going to play it back for you. Show me in the record where you ever trusted me, where you put me as the one and the reason why you can come to heaven, where you now believe in my shed blood for you because you were a sinner and it needed to be paid for. Show me where you even admitted you were a sinner. Show me where you accepted me as the substitute that I was on the cross for you and your sin. Show me where you put your faith and trust in me. And my friend, no matter what they try to say, God will say, sorry. I never knew you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that there's no one in the sound of my voice that would be able to say that. But if they don't know you as Savior, today would be the day of salvation and they would find themselves saying, Lord, I'm a sinner and I can't fix it. Help them to be saved today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Walton praying that you have an absolutely awesome and wonderful week.
0: Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do word, it thrills through and through.
1: I believe every word. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths, the radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.